Hey, Sarah here. Summer is fast approaching, and here's what I propose. A relaxed and simple summer that offers just enough structure to keep those long, sticky days from melting into chaos, and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. Also, fairy tales. Lots of fairy tales. (laughs) I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and I would love for you to join me. Save your free seat at the workshop by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. See you there. You're listening to the Read Aloud Revival Podcast. This is the podcast that inspires you to build your family culture around books. Hey, 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 Sarah McKenzie here, and you've got episode 34 of the Read Aloud Revival podcast. So glad you've joined me. This is the podcast where we inspire you to inspire a love of reading in your children and your home and infuse your home with a reading culture. So one of the things we hear all the time in the Read Aloud Revival private Facebook group is how do you make reading aloud a priority around a traditional school schedule? A lot of us are homeschoolers, and so Oftentimes on the show, we talk about ways to make reading aloud a priority around your curriculum or throughout your day, maybe at lunch or as part of your history lesson or whatnot. But what about families who've got their kids in a traditional school, a public school, a private school, or maybe who just follow more of a traditional school schedule? Today, I've got a guest on who's going to help us figure out how to make our homes reading homes when we're dealing with traditional school schedules or just kind of busy, hectic lives. So it's going to be a great episode. But first, I want to remind you that if you have not yet grabbed your quick start guide to great conversations with your kids, you can get it free at readaloudrevival.com. We are hearing so much feedback from people who love this guide, who have tried one of the five questions in there to ask their kids about a book they read aloud together or that maybe their child read on their own. And that has transformed a afternoon with an awesome conversation. Really, truly Having a great conversation about books with your kids is not rocket science. You do not need any special tools or training or curriculum, but I can arm you with five great questions you can ask about any book, and it will just spin you off into this happy orbit of great conversation. Head to readaloudrevival.com and nab your quick start guide to great conversations with your kids for free there. Okay, on with the show. Francis is a writer and mama of five kids and the publisher and creator of The Happiest Home. She's also the founder of the Life Listened Podcast Network and is the host of The Home Hour, a podcast about everything that happens within the four walls of that place we call home, from food to parenting to, of course, books. (laughs) She's the author of four of her own books, including The Happiest Mom, 10 Secrets to Enjoying Motherhood. Megan loves sharing the lessons she's learned about being a happier mom over the years, and she's here with me today because, like a lot of you, her kids go to school. And she says she really enjoys helping them with homework, but even more than that, she loves reading aloud to them. So today we're going to chat up how reading aloud fits in around a traditional school schedule, and I'm so excited to dive in. Hey, Megan, thanks for joining me today. Hi, Sarah. Happy to be here. Yeah, it's fun to be on this end. We had a conversation on your <laughs> podcast a while ago. Yeah, <laughs> we did. Yeah, and we can give the link to that 
you can throw it up in your show notes. I can't remember what episode number it was. It's been a while. So it's good to talk to you again. Yeah. We'll definitely put a link in the show notes. So give us a little rundown on your family. Okay, sure. So my oldest is 17. His name is Jacob. He is going to be a senior in a month. My second oldest is 15. His name is Isaac. He will be a sophomore. And my younger three are William, who's going into sixth grade. He will be in a middle school for the first time. Um, Owen, who's nine and will be going into fourth grade. Oh my gosh. I'm already starting to like mess this up in my head because it's not a reality yet. They're going into those grades. And (laughs) um, Clara, who is six and is going into first grade. So all my kids are- I have a Clara um, too. I didn't know you had a Clara. Oh, that's so cool. I love that name. Me too. You know, it's kind of like becoming a little bit more popular, but it's never going to become trendy. That's what I like about it. Yeah. Yeah, totally. Yeah. Very good. Yeah. So anyway, they're all getting older and they're all school age. Last year was the first year I had all five of my kids in school all day at the same time. It was pretty oh, crazy. Oh, okay. So it's kind of a new thing for you then. Yeah, it is. It is. It is. And we've really moved, you know, we've really made a big leap out of that little kid phase in the last couple of years into a bigger kid phase. So I'm in a very different place in my life than I was when I started my blog or even when I started my podcast. So actually you wrote a book about that, didn't you? Beyond Baby. Is that what that I did? Kind of- I wrote, yeah. Yep. It's an ebook and it's called Beyond Baby. And it's about that. That's about when you are moving out of that stage of being so totally immersed in the needs of small children. And you kind of get a chance to look up around and say, oh my goodness, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> what else is there? You know, what's going on out there in that big world? And so, yeah, it's a 40 weeks of, of weekly activities just kind of help you work through that and kind of take some baby steps back toward building that life for yourself outside of motherhood. So I was definitely in the thick of it when I was writing that book. I'm a little bit, I'm not going to say I'm on the other side, but you know, I've made some strides. Yeah. So yeah. Very cool. Okay. So, you know, kids work, keeping up your house, balancing school schedules, your general life, your whole business. Give us an idea about how you make time for reading aloud in your family. Well, I think one thing that, you know, whether it's reading aloud or other things that are important to me, like family dinners and things like that, one of the things that has really become clear to me in the last few years is that it's more about protecting the time that I have than necessarily kind of trying to make time. You know, you have 24 hours in the day and you can't really make extra time. Yeah, I know <laughs> that that phrase of making time always makes me laugh because I think, yeah, good luck yeah. with that. <laughs> yeah, where am I going to make it from? It's becoming trickier because, you know, I've it was really easy to keep our extracurricular activities and stuff like really reasonable when my kids were small, when they were all small together. It just... I didn't really see the point of signing everybody up for a ton of sports when, you know, they weren't really into them all. And I, so I was really good about keeping that stuff, you know, very reasonable and not very time consuming. And as they get older, they get a mind of their own and they also have a little bit more control. So it'll be like, oh, it'll be fine, mom, because I can get a ride to practice with, you know, so-and-so, or I can get myself to this, this and that event. And that's true, but it does take away from family time. So I'm sort of almost in a renegotiation phase right now where I'm trying to figure out how much, you know, I would have said before, like one activity at a time is it and how to balance that as they get older and can kind of conceivably manage their own schedules, but they're not really that great at it. You know, a lot of it still ends up kind of falling to me. Yeah. So there is a lot of kind of negotiation there. And I think one of the things that I've realized is that I really have to kind of say, you know, between four and six or whatever, and it has to change sometimes because you don't always have control over what activity schedules are going to be or, you know, all those kinds of things. But you know, right now, this is how life looks for all of us. And that means that between four and six or between five and seven or whatever it is we carve out, that is protected time and nobody's going anywhere and there isn't going to be anything scheduled. So that's really been the way that I've managed that and other things that are important to us as well. 
Yeah. And you know, I think from my end as a homeschooling mom, that same thing, I mean, we we're still doing all of our extracurriculars in the evening, just like everybody else. And so same kind of thing where if you don't, if you don't kind of carve out that time and say, this is dedicated at home, we're not doing anything else. We're not doing anything outside of our home. It just gets eaten up by this activity or that activity, especially because I tend to be that kind of personality. That's like, Ooh, that sounds fun. Let's try that. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Me too. Totally. And yeah. You know, I found that one of the things that I found is it doesn't have to be scheduled all the time. Like it doesn't have to be like, okay, so four to six is our dedicated family time. That means at 4.30, that's read aloud time. For me, that doesn't work because yes. I'm not that kind of personality and me it makes either. me feel boxed in. I just love you. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> me too. Well, yeah, it's like, oh, 4.30, I have to do something. Oh, I'm not. And then I rebel. I'm like, yeah. I'm not doing that just because I can. Just no one's going to make me. <laughs> exactly. I'm not going to make myself. So... But what I've kind of found is just making myself available and not having some other more pressing thing or something that seems more pressing kind of on the itinerary just makes it happen. So if I, um, a few years ago, and I've written about this a few times, I was, and I I think that the dinner time thing is such a good sort of analogy because it's it's also another one of those things. It's like nobody, you know, it's like technically it sounds great to make dinner for your family, but then when it actually comes to making it happen, (laughs) there's always something else that gets, could possibly get in the way or we try to rush through it. And so a few years ago, I just decided that I was going to have like a two hour block of time at night where I was just going to putter, just like putter around my kitchen. And I would listen to podcasts or I would, you know, cook or I would clean up. And it just kind of gave shape to my whole evening because then what ended up happening is the kids would wander. What I didn't anticipate is that it was more than just making dinner and getting dinner on the table. The kids would wander in and out. They'd sit at the island and do their homework. I would read aloud while I was waiting for, you know, something to cook or like the dishwasher to stop or whatever, or they would read out loud or they would read to each other or they would hang out with each other. And it just kind of created this time and this space for that time that up until then had felt very chaotic and frantic in the evening. And I I always wondered like, why is it we have this whole evening and yet I always feel like I'm throwing dinner together in 10 minutes and I'm annoyed the whole time Mm -hmm. and I don't, everything feels so frantic and rushed. And what I found is just by carving out that time just to be kind of present and not really have an agenda, it made things like reading out loud happen a lot more often. I love that. So So it's the idea of being available and then telling yourself, this is time that's set aside for me to be puttering around the kitchen available to my kids. And that would probably keep me from like running off to check my email or, (laughs) you know, trying to run off and clean a bathroom or something when I should just be. Right. I like it. I like it. I like it a lot. My kitchen got very clean. (laughs) Yeah, that, that would help my kids. The more the more you find stuff to clean. <laughs> That's funny. I really like that because time-bound schedules, well, I don't. they don't work very well for my personality, but I also just don't think they work very well for families with lots of children. That's totally, I'm sure I'm going to get emails about that. People <laughs> disagreeing with me. But um, some people are really like, you know, they really run a tight ship. And I do run a tight ship. It's just not, you know, like the British Navy. Like, <laughs> You know, it's much more of my own, my own kind of way of management. And I don't, I don't know what works in anybody else's house, but in our house, it absolutely does not work. Yeah. Probably because it doesn't work for me. Well, and, and it helps me to have a schedule circles. that helps me be a nicer mom. And it doesn't, I'm not a nicer mom when I'm working off of a time bound schedule. I just, I turn into a drill sergeant. <laughs> yeah. So, yep. Yep. Okay. So with five, you've got five kids of this big spread of ages. So do you tend to read to all of your kids? Are you just reading to a few of them now? Or do you guys all listen yeah, together? I'm really just reading to the younger three at this point. I think that if my older two, you know, it's not like they never wander in and listen while I'm reading. Sure. They do. But what they're reading now is beyond what the younger kids are able to handle or listen to. And 
And so it's, it really has like in the last couple of years, I've seen a big divide now where they're doing their own thing and it's the younger, mostly the younger two, but the 11 year old definitely does still get involved. But so it has changed things a little bit, you know, and it's also gotten kind of tricky because we're almost on our way out of the picture book stage. So Clara's, you know, everything from storing books, like I used to have this basket by the back door. I mean, it's still there. It's filled with picture books and she still does picture books. I mean, she's six. She's not like beyond that, but I can see now that she's now really leaning in a different direction. So I'm like, oh, am I going to have to at some point get rid of my box, my basket of picture books yes, and replace it with like early reader chapter books? I mean, it's totally different. Yeah. So yeah, yes. To answer your question in a most rambling way, it's mostly the younger three, but the, the older two read to the youngers. Too. Yeah, I like that. Okay, so when oh. I I talked to Julie Bogart, I can't remember which podcast episode this is, but we'll put a link to this in the show notes too. We were talking about reading aloud with teens, and she said it doesn't need to look like in your head when you think reading aloud to teens. Okay, wait, I'm sitting and I'm reading aloud, my teenagers sitting there and listening. But it probably looks a lot like reading to your younger kids, where your teenagers are wandering in and out of the room. And if it's a book they loved, yeah. like Redwall or something, they may end up parking yep. and listening to more of it. Or it could be more like you're both reading the same book, not aloud, but you're both reading the same book and then you're talking about it. You know, what was your favorite part? Or can you believe that this character did that? I totally agree. Yeah. Okay. So I like that. I think in general, that's what parenting teenagers looks like. I mean, even when I'm just like hanging out, even like when I'm cooking dinner, you know, I've got my six-year-old who is parked usually at the island, just wanting to be near me. And then the older ones will come in and hang and have a snack, you know, the nine and 11 year old. And then the teenagers just kind of wander in and wander out. So it's the same way when I'm reading and, you know, I try not to make a big deal of it because I don't know that they want a big deal made out of it. Yeah. You know, the 15 and 17 year olds, but I definitely think it's part of, they probably are listening more than I think they are. Yeah, I bet. It's well, funny. It's last funny year to, we yeah, got, go ahead. Well, I was going to say my, my um, six year old got a scooter for Christmas. And it's this really nice, oh, I got to think of the name of it. Mini micro scooter, I think it's called. They're really cool. They like are really easy to ride on and whatever. This is kind of beside the point, but <laughs> we had it, we had it in the house cause it was for Christmas. And so it was too cold outside. And so my 15 year old just started riding it around the house. So I'd be in the kitchen, you know, reading to my daughter or helping her with something or doing her spelling lists. And every now and then Isaac would just kind of roll in on the scooter oh, funny. and then roll back out. And it was so <laughs> So sorry, I interrupted you, but it just so it was such a classic teenager thing. That's awesome. That's totally awesome. <laughs> okay, so what about audiobooks? Do your do you guys use audiobooks at all? My husband and my teenagers are big audiobook fans. Okay. I have not gotten totally into audiobooks. And I don't know if it's because I just like holding a physical book mm-hmm. or because I don't like my husband will fall asleep listening to audiobooks and then have to back it up. You know, for me, <laughs> I can't fall asleep if I'm listening and it'll like make me wired. Whereas if I'm holding a book at night, you know, yes. you thing where you like pass out in your book. And I haven't really gotten into it and I don't know why. I feel like it's maybe because of when I'm in the car or whatever, I'm listening to podcasts and I'm just not in the audiobook phase right now. We've definitely listened to like, I call them books on tape, which makes it sound so antiquated, but you know, like little kid books. Yeah. They're audio, essentially audio books. But I have not personally gotten into it, but my older two kids and my, my husband are very into audiobooks. And I figure, Hey, whatever way gets the book in your head, that's fine. I mean, an audiobook is essentially getting read aloud too. So there you go. It's interesting because I listen to audiobooks, but more so I listen to podcasts. I kind of think of podcasts more like a magazine um, because you can listen you know, you can listen to like a snippet. It's half an hour or it's an hour yeah. or something. So if I'm taking the babies on a walk, whereas a, a book, you know, you have to, you have to, it's almost like a commitment, you know, 
you to listen yes. to this first. And it's something about it to me is like watching a movie. I mean, it's so professionally, they're so professionally done and the yeah. voices are so like real and it's, I love the idea of audiobooks. I just haven't personally gotten into them as much. Okay. So, and my husband also likes to turn them, like he turns the speed up on them. Oh you know, you yeah. Can, I've heard a lot of people doing that so you can get more in, but I, it kind of gives me a panic attack. That makes me, that makes me crazy. Exactly. <laughs> like, why is he talking so fast? Why is he breathing? <laughs> Which is funny because I'm kind of a fast talker. I have to work really hard on the podcast to slow my speech down. Yeah. And so it's kind of funny that when other people talk fast, it makes me panicky. Like, I'm going to have to keep up with it. Well, them. it's not real, though. They took someone's real voice and then sped it up. That's the difference, that's I think. That's true. Yes, that's yeah. totally true. Well, we, we've done a lot of audiobooks when my son was not very much of a reader yet, when he was still kind of struggling to become a reader. He'd listen to audiobooks during his rest time during the day and then in the car and that kind of thing. And yeah. I guess my older, my 13-year-old sure. loves listening to, like, Jane Austen. While she's doing her chores, I think maybe in part. Oh, that's fun. Yeah, in part because it's Jane Austen, but in part maybe to drown out the baby noise. We have a lot of babies still around here, so right. <laughs> there's probably a two-part yeah. thing there going on. <laughs> we'll get back to the show in just a minute. At the beginning of today's episode, I mentioned that what I propose for this summer is a relaxed and simple plan that offers just enough structure to keep your days from melting into chaos and just enough fun to keep your kids asking for more. And what summer wouldn't be much, much better with a whole bunch of fairy tales? Well, I'm teaching a free workshop called Three Simple Steps to a Fairy Tale Summer, and here's what we're going to talk about. First, how reading fairy tales can make your summer easier. Yes, easier. We want to take things off your plate this summer, not put more on, right? <laughs> fairy tales can make your summer easier and more fun. I'm also going to share the fairy tales I recommend for every age and the tippy top thing you can do to make sure your kids make delightful memories this summer. It is way less work and way less pressure than you think. The free workshop is happening live online on May 7th, 2024, and you can save your free seat by texting the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. And yes, there's a replay, so make sure you register even if you can't join us live on May 7th. Again, text the word fairy tale, all one word, to the number 33777. Um, does your husband read aloud at all? You know, he does when he hmm, he's sort of cornered into it. <laughs> yeah. Okay. <laughs> say, I'm definitely more. It wasn't. I don't think it was a thing that he looks back as fondly on as I do mm -hmm. from his own childhood. I, don't, I just don't think it was. He never really even considered himself a reader until he discovered audiobooks, which is so funny to me. Like it just shows you how many different ways people can interact with a book. And he never thought of himself as a reader. And then he got an Audible subscription, like when it first came out. So it's been a long time now. And he started listening to audiobooks. And then suddenly he knew all the books that I didn't even, you know, like I was still very much in the nursing babies all day phase at that point. And I was like, how are you so well read? And he's discussing books with people out in public. And I was like, what? Because <laughs> he had this long commute and he was listening to audiobooks. Yeah. And so I thought that that was really cool. Like he just never thought of himself as a reader. And then suddenly this was opened to him via that technology, which I thought was really cool. And so anyway, he will read out loud if the kids ask him to. They usually ask me because I think they 
you know, I get into it with the voices and everything. And I, I think maybe I'm just a little more fun. <laughs> yeah, that's pretty much how it works in our home too. Almost exactly. So yeah. <laughs> okay. So one of the things we talk about a lot on the Read Aloud Revival is that you don't really have to read just gobs and gobs to feel like, you know, you are reading home. Yeah. I think we have this idea as moms that if we're going to be you know, if we're one of those moms that feeds our kids healthy food, we only feed our kids healthy food. Or if we're one of the, you know, like, yes. we kind of go all all or nothing. All in so, or all out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So, but I would love to talk to you about this because you are always thinking about ways to become, you know, be a happier mom or be more content or, or just to kind of live in a way that ignites your own, you know, passions for life. And so how do you, mm-hmm. how do you match up this idea of like wanting to be a reading family without setting yourself unrealistic expectations? expectations or getting frustrated when it doesn't look exactly like you wanted it to maybe. Yeah. Well, first one thing that I think that I used to do that I don't do as much anymore that I've gotten really a lot better at is this idea, you know, we'll have books all over the house and we might have more than one going at once. And sometimes we'll forget about a book for a while. Like I've had Charlotte's web next to my bed (laughs) for months and we were really into it for a while. And then I just kind of put it down one night and we just forgot to pick it back up and it's still sitting there. And I, so once in a while, look at it and be like, Oh, I got to need to do that again. But in the meanwhile, we're still reading lots of other stuff all over the house, right? It doesn't yeah. have to look like we are going to sit down and we are going to make our way from chapter one to chapter 40 of this one book. And that is when we have completed the book. And that's when I'm a reading parent. And that's just <laughs> not how it works. Yeah. And I think that we all need to give ourselves permission to fall off the wagon at times as well. The summer is actually kind of, you know, it seems like we have all this time and the kids are home and I'm home, but it's a lot more chaotic. And I need to squeeze my work in in different ways than I am. We're at the beach a lot. We've traveled a lot. And so reading has been a lot more catch as catch can, which is, and it's like a lot less structured around here, yes. which are two reasons why I think Charlotte's Web is still sitting next to my bed. It used to be the kids would wander in after dinner, which was roughly the same time every night. And I'd read to them. And then one day it was like, school's over, dinner becomes going to a friend's house or having a picnic at the beach or whatever. So we lost that structure. So it hasn't looked the same for the last couple of months since the kids have been out of school. And that's okay because we'll get back to it. And we're still a reading family. I, I think that you, we think of ourselves, we, like you said, we define ourselves by what that day looks like. You know, if today I was a, a yelly mom or today I was like, I didn't, you know, I gave my kids hot dogs or whatever <laughs> that I'm not, you know, today I'm not a healthy mom or today I'm not a nice mom or whatever. Mm-hmm. And it's the big picture that counts. And it's what, you know, like think back to your own childhood. Do you remember the days when things kind of fell apart and you didn't get a healthy dinner? Or do you remember sitting down with your parents and your family or whatever? Most of the time, that's the most of the time yeah. that counts. Yeah. I think it's like so the big picture. Mm-hmm. That's one thing I try to remind myself and the small and little small bits count. I mean, if you read, you know, a quickie little picture book out loud, and even if it's five minutes long, you read out loud that day. And, and it doesn't have to be this big, it could be whatever is in with arm's reach. If you read it a poem that your kids brought home from school, that's reading out loud. It all counts and it all adds up to the bigger whole. Yes, I agree. And your children are still going to have a memory of mom, my mom read to me, you know, when they grow up, they're going to have yeah. those memories that yep. just those little moments. And I think, oh, sorry. I was no, just going to say, yeah. I think having the idea of just having a literary home is what really makes that foundation. It's not really how many minutes you log, you know, exactly. all the drive crazy school mom that my kids have to log a certain number of minutes for school. That makes me crazy. So why would I do the same thing to myself? you know, when I'm home with them. Okay. So do you have, actually, that's a good question. Do you ever read books out loud that are assigned for school or do you choose your own or do your kids just pick whatever they want for free reading? Yeah. I mean, so technically the kids all have, like the high schoolers have assigned books that they need to be reading, but they're mostly just reading those on their own and mostly like reading those in school. 
the younger kids have, they're supposed to, they have a reading log and they're supposed to, you know, fill it out 15, 20 minutes a week. Technically that's supposed to be them reading, but reading out loud counts. But I don't think, I'm trying to think if I've ever read something out loud to them that was assigned. I don't think so. They don't really get in the younger grades. They don't get really assigned books. They have something that's called a Lexile. So they're supposed to read like within their level. Okay. Because, you know, they don't want kids like logging 20 minutes, just reading comic books if they're able to read something of a higher level, which I get. But they're allowed to pick what books those are. And it's a pretty broad. It's pretty broad. But that's their reading. That's not what I'm reading. So I just choose what I want to read and what I think that they want to hear and what they do want to hear when we're home. Okay. And probably books that you loved reading as a kid, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. And it does all count toward their like, quote unquote, homework, which I think is just a way to make. I mean, honestly, I don't really keep that close a track of it. I sign the log. Yeah. <laughs> and I, right. know it's being, I know it's being fulfilled one way or the other, but I'm not, you know, I think it's more of a way to just to keep parents kind of thinking about it. Right. Exactly. Um, keep it on their radar. Requirement. Mm-hmm. Exactly. Yep. Okay. So. so what about, let me think. Okay. You said when you were, when you were a kid, I think I've heard you say before that reading aloud was one of your favorite things or not reading aloud. Maybe mm-hmm. read aloud time read during yeah. school. Yeah, yes. yeah. Tell me about that. Yeah. I think it was third grade was when it really first hit me. And I believe our teacher was reading Charlotte's Web. (laughs) And then, so that book really has a big impact. And then that was also the first book that was a real, I credit that as being the first book that was really drew me in. And I read very young. I think I was three when I learned how to read. So, you know, I had all these years where I was technically able to read and I, I read, I mean, I read when something was in front of me, I'd read it and I read it well and everything. But what I really remember is going home after my teacher, or actually she was still reading it. And I took the book home and I laid in our little sunroom and I read the whole thing. And like my mom had to come get me and make me eat dinner. <laughs> and then right after I went out and laid back down and read and read and read, read. I don't remember if I didn't probably finish it in a day, but I finished it pretty quickly. And after that, I was just hooked. And it was sparked by my teacher starting that book in the class. It's what really drew me in. And so then after that, I mean, I have you know, I don't remember all of them, obviously, but I can remember specific books that my teachers read out loud, some of which I never found again. It makes me crazy. Like ones where there's this, I'm like, oh my gosh, there was this plot and there was this, you know, this guy, he was like stranded on a, uh, on a raft and he had to kill a seagull and eat it to stay alive. And I can't find this book. Right. You can only remember bits from this story and you just desperately want to have the book. Yeah. Yeah. But those (laughs) memories stick out more to me than most anything else that was happening in school at the time. And it was my absolute favorite time of day for sure. Mine too. Actually, I remember that being my, just my favorite time of day. I think we were, I was read aloud to in school. I want to say all the way through sixth grade. I think we had like a, you you came in from recess and the teacher read a chapter. Yep. I remember that too. Yeah. I was going to say sixth grade and then it kind of, then that's when I went to junior high and seventh and yeah. And then it becomes just, you know, everything changes. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Okay. So you mentioned reading aloud in the evening works when you make yourself available for like a chunk of time, just for general things, homework or, you know, puttering around the kitchen or reading aloud. Are there any other times a day that you think are specifically helpful maybe during the school year? You know, I think for a long time I fell into the trap of thinking that, and I think you and I talked about this when we were on the home hour, I used to fall into the trap of thinking that reading it loud, out loud looked like mom sitting on the end of a kid's bed, <laughs> yes. like as a child is falling asleep and you're reading to them. And I tried that for a long time and failed so many times because I'm grumpy. By that time of day, I am grumpy. I want my kids to go to bed. Yes, me And too. I don't <laughs> want to sit and read for half an hour. 
Plus, I mean, if you have kids of multiple ages, especially if you have babies and toddlers, I mean, you know, some of them might require kind of a lot of work to get down and you can't read to the other kids while you're trying to get the toddler to sleep because they'll never go to sleep. It's just, I feel like it's really unrealistic and it's this really romanticized idea of we have of what reading out loud looks like. So I do not read at bedtime unless I am in my own bed and my kids come to me every now and then I'll do that. So kids will kind of pile up around me and I'll read out loud and then I give them a kiss and send them on their way. (laughs) You know, if they're getting the full tuck in experience, it does not include a book. Because yes. if I'm going through all that. Well, okay. <laughs> like, that's so true. I just need to send you off to sleep. Exactly. In our home too, we've got three toddlers and then three big kids. And honestly, if it was like reading to each, I mean, I need to read a different book to the toddlers than to the big kids. Exactly. It would take me hours to get everybody to bed at night. So and yeah. plus I'm tired. It's at the really worst tired. possible time of day. Yeah. yeah you're tired. It's yeah. at the worst time of day to, to put that on yourself. So I find actually reading at breakfast is more doable often, you know, especially in, during the school year, it kind of depends because the kids are all on a different schedule. Mm-hmm. And this year we'll have three different schedules. Last year we just had two elementary and high school, but this year we'll have elementary, high school, and middle school. So, you know, it's a little more catch as catch can, but definitely for the elementary school kids, that they're the last ones to go in the morning. That's a great opportunity to read something really quickly, you know, like a five or 10 minute read aloud while they're eating. Yeah. Um, and also just like right when they get home and they're having snack is another good time oh, yeah. to do it. Yeah. You know, and I'm like, I'm actually excited to see them because they've been gone all day. And it's like a really good sort of way to get us all back together. And there is that weird transition and other, maybe other school moms can relate. I mean, it's so, it does make my life easier in a lot of ways to have this long stretch of time during the day when the kids are out. But when they come back in, there's this reacclimation period. Okay. And you're used to like, I know you, Sarah, you're like, what is this? <laughs> quiet. <laughs> huh? I mean, but you get used to like the house being so quiet and I can just do whatever. And like, I have my own time and I have my own schedule. And then suddenly this whirlwind comes in through the door and it can be like really disorienting more so than it was when they were just all home with me. And it was just, that's what I was just in it all the time. So there is that period of time where it's like, oh, like how do I not be gripey and mean and annoyed and irritated because these excited kids just ran in the house and they're so happy to see me and be home. I don't want to be like, ugh, I wish you, you know, I'd been in school for half an hour longer. So I find that having a snack time and like a little read time right then is good good. That's, I remember, okay, when my oldest had to have been like four, so maybe I had a four and a two-year-old and maybe a baby, I don't know, something like that. I was at a friend's house who had five boys and they were, four of them were at school. She had one at home and we were kind of hanging out. It was maybe two in the afternoon. And she had looked at me and she said, this is the calm before the storm, you know? And I thought, okay, like I'm looking at all my toddlers thinking like, I think this is kind of the storm before the storm, but whatever. And then her her four boys come in at 3.30 when they get off the bus. And she was not joking. It was, I remember leaving that day thinking, that is so exhausting. And she had said from, you know, 3.30 until bedtime, it is intense. And so, yeah, I totally witnessed that. (laughs) Yeah, it is. It's funny because it sounds like, you know, I've been on the other side for many years as well. And I remember thinking, but I'm just in it all the time. Like you said, this is the storm before the storm. But sometimes when the storm never ends, it doesn't feel quite so stormy somehow. Exactly. Yep. As that whirlwind. So, yeah. yeah, but that's a good time to take a minute and actually just like just disengage myself from my work, which is hard to do sometimes when you're really into it. And then, you know, make and then actually like it's that step, it's like that concrete thing, that separation between my work day and the school day and now our family time. Yeah. So I, I like, like that it as, as a reading time. Plus, if they're eating snack, that means their mouths are busy and stuff. So it kind of is a good. Exactly. Yeah. They're yeah. seated. They're seated and quiet. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. Ish, right? 
they chew loudly sometimes. And <laughs> they still can talk with food in their mouths, I found. <laughs> totally. That's so funny. Okay. I want to hear about your favorite books growing up. Which books do you think sure. shaped you most or had the most impact on you growing up? Yeah. So I already talked about Charlotte's Web. I think that's the one that shaped me the most as a reader, like made me into a reader, just kind of accidentally. I love that book. I still, you know, I still love, I still love it and read it kind of often <laughs> to my kids. Anne of Green Gables was a huge one. I think I got that for my, my, I was in fourth grade and I got it for my birthday that year or maybe oh. for Christmas. And that one, you know, I've read, I still read that yeah. yearly. I read the whole series yearly, the Little House series. Mm-hmm. Um, I've read those over and over and over. And I think what the reason those had such a strong impact is that they showed me, you know, what life was like, you know, for other people in other times kind of broadened my horizons. And also that they were strong female characters and they were, you know, girls who did stuff and who had opinions. And that really meant a lot to me, you know, but we're still kind of nice. Nice isn't even the right word, but girls with character and kindness and, you know, those kinds of things as well. But it was, I think that that was impactful um, reading about those girls and their lives. By the way, those ones, oh, go ahead. The little house books, there is an audio series. Unfortunately, it's not available on Audible. It's just available on CD at the moment, but it's read by Cherry Jones. And it is so okay. good. It's our favorite. It's kind of our go-to audiobook whenever we have a long car ride because everybody loves it. Even my husband oh, loves okay. it. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> it's my favorite way. My to sister do and I just recorded a podcast not too long ago and we talked about food scenes from children's literature. I mean we didn't talk oh, specifically yes. about children's literature, yes. but we focused in on food and we talked a lot about little house books. And we read some of the descriptions of food out loud. I mean, some of those are the ones that stick in my head the most. From you know, Farmer the, Boy, I bet, right? Yeah. Farmer Boy we talked about, but we also talked about like the Christmas dinner with the oysters and the saltine crackers. Oh, awesome. Okay. I'll put all those, that yeah, all those things that stick in your head. Yeah. yeah, that yeah, was yeah. Are you familiar at all with the Trixie Belden series? <laughs> yes, I am. So, we have the whole yes. shebang. <laughs> ah, awesome. I love it. Another Trixie fan. Well, that's another one. I think I love, and I still go back and read it. I have the first, I think I have like the first 14 in print, but they're now available on Kindle. I didn't some, know just, that. Yeah. They've only, I think only like seven or eight of them are, but those are the best ones in my opinion anyway, are available on Kindle, which is great because I like to, like, I love comfort reading my old favorites mm-hmm. and I tend to do that in bed. Like if mm-hmm. I just, if it's been a rough day or I just want to fall asleep without any anxiety, you know, yeah. I want to read something really familiar, like a blanket. And so I'll, but I love to read when I'm in bed. I really now only will do my Kindle because I don't like to have to turn the lamp off. <laughs> I've become so spoiled. <laughs> I want to be able to fall asleep with the book in my hand. Yeah. And so, yeah. so when Trixie got on Kindle, I was very excited, but anyway, yeah. So th- what, uh, again, like that was really influential because here's this teen girl. I felt, you know, I was a really young preteen. Like I was still playing with dolls when I was 11 years old. So I was not to like the Nancy Drew, Sweet Valley High, like those kind of teenage books. They were just a little bit beyond me. And Trixie was, you know, a tomboy and kind of innocent and naive. And the whole book, they're so darn wholesome. I mean, you read it now and I'm kind of like, are you kidding me? (laughs) My, yes. (laughs) Yeah. Like their farmhouse and their, you know, and moms and just like, it's just so much, but honestly it was, they were just a pack of nice kids, like doing good stuff and like solving crimes. It was great. I loved it. My girls love love the Trixie. My mother-in-law gave my girls her own collection from when she, so they're like, wow. Yeah. They're, you know kind of the old weathered look and they're, they smell awesome and they're just so much fun Which to cover read. cover is it? Gosh, they're like a, a solid, yeah, like a solid color background 
with this really old style cartoon. I'll put a picture of it in the show notes. I'll have to put a picture of our our collection. I love like, I love looking at different incarnations of covers of books. Yes. And I think we had the yellow paperbacks that my sister, my sister got, they were just, you know, they were probably the seventies, sixties or seventies version. Okay. So I I found some of those at a book sale. So we have some of those too, but the ones from my mother-in-law are, I'll show you. They're awesome. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. And the ones, I think they re-released some of those in hardback with the really cartoony drawings in it as well. Okay. So I got a few, I don't know, garage sale or something a couple of years ago, but they were newer. They were obviously newer. So. Well, my husband, those are Boy, we just went his, off on a tangent, didn't we? Totally did. Totally did. My husband, um, those are some of his fondest early reading memories. Isn't that funny? He like had a complete crush yeah. on Trixie. So, or honey, maybe. Oh, of course. <laughs> yeah, probably honey. Totally funny. Yeah, probably. Oh, awesome. Well, this has been so much fun. Thank you so much for coming on. And I knew it'd be fun to talk to you. Yeah, it's been great. Thanks so much. I love talking about reading and, and I like to read. So <laughs> this is a good show. Now it's time for Let the Kids Speak. This is my favorite part of the podcast, where kids tell us about their favorite stories that have been read aloud to them. Hi, my name is Lena, and I'm from Maryland. I'm six years old, and my favorite book is Lying Within the Wardrobe. And I like when um, the lion jumps over the castle. And the giant comes alive in the castle. He's so nice. Bye! Hello, my name is Liliana Mueller. I am seven, and I live in Minnesota. My favorite book is Winnie the Pooh, House at Pooh Corner, because it's really funny, makes all my big brothers laugh, and my favorite character is Winnie the Pooh because he's really silly. I'm five. I live in Indiana, and my favorite book is Frog and Toad the Button because it's so silly. Because Toad is so angry, but then his button is just always at home. Thank you. Goodbye. Hi, my name is Sarah Jones. I live in Brookings, South Dakota. I am nine years old. My favorite read aloud is Little House on the Prairie. I like it because they moved a lot like us, and no matter what trial they faced, no matter what problem they were in, they never gave up, and they were a really strong family. My name's Marsh, and I live in Hershey, Pennsylvania. I really like Winnie the Pooh because it's really funny. Hi, I'm Felicity, and I live in Hershey, PA. I really like the book Five Children in It. It's about five children in a sand fairy. They get into lots of trouble. I definitely recommend this book. Hi, my name is Isaac and I live in Ford and I'm eight years old. And my favorite book is The Hobbit. It's really neat and I think you should read it. My favorite part is when they get out of the goblin tunnel and I really like the dragon about it and how they are wizards and elves and dwarves. Thank you, kids. I love hearing the books that you are enjoying so much. If your child would like to leave a message for us to air on the Read Aloud Revival podcast, just go to readaloudrevival.com and scroll to the bottom of the page. 
There's an easy button there to do it. You can guide your child, coach them right through that conversation. We'll clean it up or edit it if we need to. So don't worry about making it perfect. Hey, if you haven't left a review for the Read Aloud Revival, a rating or a review in iTunes, would you do that? It just takes maybe, I don't know, 30, 60 seconds. And it is so much help to us as we're trying to get word out about the podcast to people who are trying to build their family culture around books. You can do that at iTunes. Just search for Read Aloud Revival in the podcast section. Click leave a rating or review, and it just takes a couple seconds to do that. We so appreciate it. Don't forget to grab your quick start guide to great conversations with your kids. You can do that at readaloudrevival.com. Until next time, go build your family culture around books. Mm-hmm.